Good evening, my lovely listeners, and welcome to the bungalow. Tonight, I finally make good on the ASMR part of Benji's erotica and ASMR. For those of you with a sultry inclination, looking for that audio thrill to tempt, tease, and tantalize, I must leave you wanting for a little longer. I promise the next one will be weird and scandalous. I just finished the script this weekend, and we'll be recording that soon. But, in the here and now, if you're willing to indulge me, I'd like to share my attempt to soothe the mind instead of the libido. I am a fan of ASMR, and one of my resolutions this year was to spend a little time working on the safe-for-work side of the audiosphere. I often use ASMR as a sleep aid to focus during work or to calm down when my brain refuses to sit still. I don't think I've quite cracked the voice required to achieve that for my listeners yet. It's a work in progress. But I have enjoyed working in a different headspace, both at the scripting and recording stages. Writing an erotic script is about building and maintaining tension until the very end. There's a lot of push and pull, and significance to what is not said, sometimes even more than what is. ASMR, on the other hand, is about easing the listener into a warm bath and letting them soak in it. That's my working theory, anyway. Tonight's episode takes some inspiration from my kids. They're at the age where the books are becoming slightly more complex, with a few passages of Harry Potter and The Hobbit thrown in here and there. After they go to bed, I get to thinking, what if magic was real? But not in a scary way. In a very ordinary way. What if you're not getting a lovely handwritten letter from a snowy owl to take you to some forbidding castle, but... A form letter from your city council. What if instead of cloaks and musty alleys, you're talking to a public servant with a friendly disposition and scuffed shoes? It's not nearly as fun, I know, but I do like the idea of someone just waving away all the murky gobbledygook and saying, Hey, welcome. I'm here to help. This story, A Warlock's Consultation and the Auspicious Audit of Magical Arts, was published this month, February 2024. A special thanks to my fellow VA, Moxie Fatale, for coming up with an appropriately verbose title. So, before we begin, some notes on the content. There are zero notes on the content. (laughs) This audio is completely safe for work and trigger-free. And now, the legal. This audio was written and recorded by Benji2049. All characters portrayed in this story are 18 years old or older. The story is copyright Benji2049, all rights reserved. This audio is a work of fiction. And now, dear listeners, we'll begin this little audio experiment. Thank you as always, for your time.
Hello. Please, have a seat. There's also a bottle of water there. Feel free to take it. Before we actually get started, what were you told about this meeting? Mm-hmm. So, in the interest of full transparency, this is not that. My name is Benjamin, and I am a representative of the... that look on your face. What are you thinking? You know I am here, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, allow me to be the first person to tell you. Your suspicions were correct. You are not crazy. Magic is much more common than most people think. The thing is, it isn't evenly distributed. Everyone has a little bit of magic in them. At various times in your life, you will have more, sometimes less. When that concentration reaches a certain threshold, someone like me is dispatched to have a private consultation. You are a magical person. I'm here to help you understand that. <laughs> yes, that is a very common question. Has been for the last oh, 30 years. Actually, it's pretty much the only question that gets asked these days. Unfortunately, no. You're not going to Hogwarts. I'm sorry. I used to be more condescending about that, but then I had kids, and I understand the disappointment. The truth is more mundane. At the K-12 through level, magic classes are supplementary to the normal curriculum. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to teach potion-making to a student who hasn't even taken a basic chemistry course. If you've seen trailers on campus, that's usually where the magical instruction is taking place. They're easier to clean and can be replaced at lower cost than brick-and-mortar classrooms. At the collegiate level, we offer technical courses for those who want to specialize, but also general ed and history for those who missed out in their elementary and intermediate years. For those uh, post-college, there is night school, which is very thematic, I know. We can also set you up to audit a few classes at a local college or university of your choice. There are also a number of weekend workshops available in your area. That's a good question. There are magic schools. Many of them are scams. Magic manifests in very different ways, and to force very different people with very different talents into one dogmatic way of doing things isn't a great idea. Everyone learns differently. What real classes do is offer guidance and a place to ask questions. It's a safe space for exploring and experimenting, finding what it is that you have in you and learning how to live with it. Yes, that's a funny way to put it, isn't it? Well, I could go the old school route and say how to harness your power, but 
What if you only ever find a way to turn your toenails into mirrors? That's me building you up for a bitter disappointment. That may sound like an exaggeration. Here's the thing. Magic can be finicky. And what you want out of it won't always be what you get. Without wanting to be overly crude, a buddy of mine uh, can make farts visible. <laughs> it is a fantastic talent to have when you're six beers deep on New Year's Eve, but it has very few applications in polite society. This is a guy who grew up reading Jim Butcher novels and desperately wanted to open a magical detective agency. The neat ending to that story is, he did kind of become a magical detective. It turns out, being able to make gas visible is really helpful for treating certain illnesses in animals. He's a fantastic vet. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. My friend is an outlier. So, let me put it this way. Learning, in any academic setting, is largely reliant on reading, right? Homework, assignments, tests, book reports, they all presuppose you can read and comprehend the English language. If you happen to be dyslexic, that puts you at a major disadvantage, one that not all teachers and curricula are equipped to deal with, right? When it comes to magic, we all have dyslexia, to some degree. It works in a different way than the physics we accept in the material world. You may understand that you can light a candle from across a room or enchant a lock to open for no one but yourself. But how you express that concept, that's tricky. Dyslexics may struggle with word recognition and reading fluency and even spoken language. That doesn't make them dumb. It's that their brains are wired in a certain way that is often failed by standard education. So to put any magician in a quote-unquote standardized classroom would be a grave disservice to a developing mind. And again, if we're going to talk about the aforementioned Hogwarts thing, just because you can turn the family dog pink when you're eight years old, that doesn't mean you should skip out on a decade of math and social studies. Plus, and I hate to harp on this because I know how much your generation loves it, but imagine you were accepted to a study abroad program in an enchanted castle across a lake hidden from satellites. That tuition would be so far beyond the means of most students. And in that world, wizards can't conjure gold out of thin air, so they're scraping and scrounging just like the rest of us. Hmm? Do what? Oh, sorry. Can we cast spells to make money? Um... The short answer is no. The long answer is... Okay, let's do it like this. I'm going to give you an answer that I give a lot, which is yes and no. So, let's back up for a second. Are there magic spells? Yes. 
And no. Yes, in the sense that there are things one can do to influence a magical outcome. For the sake of expediency, we can call that a spell. But are there books of spells that work exactly the same way for everyone who tries them? No. Or rather, there are books, they don't work that way. I'm sorry, I know this is a lot to take in, and it's very weird. That is why someone like me is dispatched to someone like you, to answer questions, however poorly. But let's get back to your original question. Can a person cast a spell to make money? Yes. Yes. But how that happens can vary wildly. For instance, luck is an element. I don't mean it's an element. I mean it's an element, just like uh, tin or sodium. With strong enough magic, one can influence chains of luck to result in positive financial outcomes, though that does tend to throw the natural ecosystem of luck out of whack and then you get a cascade of monkey's paw problems. Anyway, you could cast a spell to locate gold, but the spell might lead you to a gold deposit that sits three miles underground. You just don't know. I did know a guy in college, different guy than the fart guy, who managed to summon a few thousand dollars into his pillowcase. He was very gifted. Also the biggest stoner I've ever met. The problem was, we couldn't work out if he just transported money out of a bank vault or a cash register, or if he'd actually just made money out of nothing. Because if its serial numbers were valid, he wasn't just summoning money out of thin air. He was influencing the space-time continuum. He wasn't just conjuring dollar bills. He was retroactively changing the minds and machines of the mint that printed that money. Or did he just make a bunch of counterfeit money that would get us into a bunch of trouble if we spent it. It got really weird and existential, and we never really figured it out because the money eventually turned into a pile of hamsters. Anyway, it's complicated is the best answer I can give you right now. You'd think there would be a definitive answer to this. Not only does science tell us nothing can be created or destroyed, surely you must be thinking, some magical scholar in the past would have a long, boring treatise on the subject. But magic users have traditionally been a secretive bunch, and when found out, tend to get exterminated pretty thoroughly, sometimes by each other. Our records only go back so far. I guarantee you there are beautiful lost works in private collections, but who has them and... How you could ever see them is a mystery. And frankly, most people don't practice magic powerful enough to worry about things like that. What kind of magic do I do? <laughs> I respect your curiosity, but we're not here to talk about me. My job is not to show off, it's to conduct your consultation and recommend courses to you should you be interested in taking them. Oh, nice diversion. 
how long have I been doing this? Well, this job I haven't been doing for very long, only about 20 years. Is it? Look, let's get back on track. I can't give you a magic show, or even answers to all of your questions. But I guarantee, if you enroll in classes, you will meet many people who enjoy searching for the same answers you are. Oh, yes. That's what witches have been doing since forever. Well, some people still call themselves witches. Every locality has its own name for its magic-forward communities. In various places, they are known as covens, compacts, circles, rings, sisterhoods, brotherhoods. Fellowship has been pretty popular in recent years. You get the idea. Me? Oh, I'm boring. I just call it the group. But I'm also an AA, so I'm part of both the program and the group. Yeah, I told you. I'm boring. But I score high on charisma for some reason, so that's why they gave me this job. Who's they? <laughs> no, it's... no, not the Illuminati. It's, uh, it's the school board. The ma... <laughs> No, the, the, the regular school board. Consults like this are funded by the state. We do have a lot of private funding, of course, but there are still a few New Deal programs that are buried in various education budgets. We worked really hard to get Roosevelt on board with this kind of public outreach, and he was very receptive. This might seem like a covert operation, but it really isn't. It doesn't need to be. Exactly. Because of the magic. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a few questions about yourself. The interview portion of this consult is entirely voluntary, and you can pass on any of the questions you don't wish to answer. Would you be comfortable with that? Wonderful. These questions will help us to get a sense of your affinities. There are no right or wrong answers. Okay? Okay. Question one. What is your earliest childhood memory? Mm. Mm hmm. Question two. Do you prefer sweet or savory flavors? Huh. Question three. Do you often wake in the middle of the night and have trouble returning to sleep? Mm-hmm. Well, it can be that. Can be a lot of things. Question four. Describe for me a time when you felt particularly happy. What happened? How long did the feeling last? How often do you return to that memory? Uh-huh. Hmm. Question five. What is your favorite color? Do you really want me to tell you, or would you prefer to keep it a mystery? Well, that answers question six. 
Question 7. Where do you feel most at home? Hmm. Question 8. Has anything ever happened to you, or have you seen something that you cannot easily explain? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Question 9. Please take a look at this dress. What sound do you think it makes? Oh? Is there something strange about the color? What color do you think it is? Interesting. And the sound? Yes, the sound. Yeah, just take a moment, look at it, take a deep breath. Aha! Now we're getting somewhere. I'm afraid I can't answer that. Question 10. Pick a card. Any card. No, just kidding. Here's the real question. First, please put your hand on the table, palm down, with your fingers touching the table. I will put my hand over here. Now, look at me. Keep looking at me. Look in my eyes. We can stop at any time. Are you okay? Okay. Keep looking at me. Keep looking. Keep looking at me. Now I'm going to ask you to brace yourself. What do you think is going to happen? That's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. I promise. I promise. Just keep looking in my eyes and there it is. I know. That's it. All done. Mm-hmm. That was... Some people call it tuning. It's not the only way to test, but I think it's one of the gentlest. The best way I can describe it is... Well, I can see you, and I can hear you, and now I know what it's like to share a table with you. <laughs> oh, a word of advice. This table is going to have an opinion for the next hour or so. I would gently dissuade anyone from placing anything wet or sticky uh, here. But that's it for the assessment. Oh, this isn't something we score. It's more a flavor profile. Smarter folks than me can explain the nitty-gritty. In my personal opinion, based on what you've told me, based on this table read right here, you are on the edge of something quite special. There are many and lengthy roads ahead of you. You want to know about my magic? <laughs> no, I won't tell you. Ooh, another good diversion. How long have I been doing magic? Um, a while. 
a lot longer than I was a blacksmith, I can tell you that. And I was an apprentice for a very long time. Stubborn. That was my flaw. But one day, someone approached me, just like I've approached you today. I was sent someone from the same town as me, which back then mattered a great deal. Someone who understood me and how I learn and was prepared to deal with my stubbornness. But you've got me talking about myself, which is something I do not do. You don't? Maybe. Anyway, here is my card. You can keep the water. You can call that number anytime. I'm always available to answer more questions, though I prefer calls before dinner time. Have to put the kids to bed and all that. There are some really great programs in this area for novices who haven't had previous exposure to magic, and many of them are free. We can get you set up whenever you'd like to get started, if you want to get started. Oh, you'd be surprised. Some people get freaked out. Some people feel it conflicts with their religion. Some are put off by the prospect of more school, which I totally get. Some people just aren't joiners. But no, your intuition is correct. Few people ever say no. Of course, fire away. <laughs> you know, I am getting that question more and more. It's perfectly understandable. Everything else is on there. I'd love to say every person who practices magic does so in good faith, that we've all sworn ourselves to secrecy to protect this strange, beautiful, dangerous thing. They don't. And even if they did, people can't keep secrets that big. That's why most conspiracy theories are nonsense. Anyway, there's nothing to it, really. Magic doesn't work on the internet. Well, yes and no. Think of them as incompatible systems. You can't play a CD-ROM in a cassette player. You can't ride a horse in a rowboat. My analogy doesn't make sense. You might be right. Could be why I'm a consultant, not a teacher. It was very nice meeting you. Keep asking questions, please. That's what life is for. I hope to see you again. Hmm? Yes, in the group. Godspeed, yo. Toodaloo.